We've got U.S. Bancorp earnings, a departing PIMCO chief, and risky business at banks. You're in the right place, folks, because this is where the money is. Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Kopenheffer. This year is David Hansen, and today, David, is Wednesday. Get the day right. right. Get the day right today. That's money in the bank already. Over the past 24 hours, we've had snow here in D.C. We've had cold. When I woke up this morning, the weather report said it feels like negative 9 degrees outside, and it did. What's the worst part of the cold, snowy weather for The fact that my apartment doesn't get warm. Your apartment does? Oh, that is pretty bad. The heat says it's on, but I have, a, I have a feeling it's just pumping cold air. I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, I have no complaints then. All right, let's move on to the headlines. The first headline of the day comes from the Wall Street Journal, and it's U.S. Bancorp. Fourth quarter profit grows on lower taxes and provisions. David, this is one of the banks that, that we like, uh, that we think is a high qual- higher quality bank than many of the others. Uh, it seems like the story here, though, is very similar to the other uh, banking organizations. Lower income from the mortgage business because of the, the lower refinancing mm-hmm. rates. Uh, you've got provisions coming down because credit quality is getting better. Is there anything that jumped out at you as, as different or particularly interesting here? Yeah, there was one thing that a little bit different. When we look at the big four banks, we know that they're very big and they're not going to be making many more acquisitions. Mm-hmm. But on the call this morning, Richard Davis was saying, we returned 71% of our earnings to shareholders this year, but we like to keep the rest of that because we want to be an acquirer. So they're still interested in going out and finding companies that are potentially accretive to their book. Um, so that's a little bit different. You're not going to hear that from Bank of America. That's, a, that's actually a really good point when we go below. So, so we talk about uh, Bank of America and J.P. Morgan mm-hmm. and those big four at the top. They're really not going to be looking to grow by big leaps and bounds. But you go down to that next segment, down to U.S. Bancorp, and uh, PNC would be in mm-hmm. there. Uh, you got a few other. Uh, SunTrust could probably be uh, looped in there. These are banks that could be looking, as, as U.S. Bancorp said, to grow up, to really compete on a size basis with the big four. Right, and just because U.S. Bancorp is number five, kind of in the in the biggest, it makes it sound they're like a it. big, they're a far away away from being number four, so they still have a lot of room to move there. All right, second headline. Second headline, going over to Bloomberg. Pimco's Elarian. Is that how you say it? Elarian. Elarian resigns as Hodge named chief executive. Uh, so he's been Bill Gross's right-hand man for years now and decided to, to part ways here. What do you think of this? Is this interesting or is this just another guy going to do whatever he's going to no, do? No, no, no. It's not just another guy. And, and just to be maybe a little bit cynical here, sometimes I wondered what uh, Elarian did at PIMCO besides go on TV and write <laughs> missives about the, the new normal. It, he was very prolific mm-hmm. from, a, from a marketing standpoint for PIMCO. He was the face of PIMCO. He was all over the place. And that's, I mean, that there, I said I was being a little bit cynical, but that there will be a big deal for PIMCO. You want somebody who's mm-hmm. really well-known, respected, out there um, for, for your organization. His departure, I think, is is part and parcel of the, the tough times that PIMCO has, has fallen on recently. Uh, their funds haven't been performing quite as well, particularly on the, the bond mm-hmm. fund side. That's what they're known for. And I think that this is going to be an interesting time moving forward for PIMCO because you've had sort of this 30-year period where it's been a very attractive time to be a bond investor because yields have been sort of consistently falling over that period, which means that prices have been rising. So if you're a bond fund manager, 
that potentially creates a good environment depending on, on how you're managing your funds. And you could see them pivot towards equities too now. They were just uh, the bond. I mean, they were right. the bond kings for a while. Now they're moving into equity funds. I don't want to kick them while they're down here, while their guy's gone, leaving. But, it's, but a tra- it's a transition. We don't know how that's going to play out over the next 10 years. So it'll be interesting to watch. All right. Third headline of the day. We're going back to the Wall Street Journal. Banks sit out riskier deals. So this is all about banks potentially avoiding financing some of, some debt-fueled uh, mm-hmm. buyout deals because they're worried that they're going to run afoul of new regulations. Is this something to be worried about, or is there an opportunity here for somebody else? I don't like to complain about regulators too much, but they said that they want to keep the banks out of doing these private equity deals, which are completely speculative. They don't do anything but just bet money on deals, and they don't want the banks involved. I... I disagree with the fact that they have to say banks just cannot do this. A bank should be able to lend its money out as, they see, as it sees fit mm-hmm. based on the interest rate there. As long as they're pricing the risk appropriately, it should be fine for the bank. So it could be a very risky deal, but if they're getting a 50% interest rate, that makes sense there. So Like a credit card. It, it just seems, it seems a little silly to say you just can't do those deals. I think the number they threw out there was... Uh, levered at six times EBITDA. Mm-hmm. It, it seems a little silly just to say that's the number. You shouldn't do any deals above that because if you price it right, then it's fine. So I don't know. I think it's a little silly. Uh, is there anybody that could, if there's a void here, is there anybody that can step in, any companies that can potentially step in and provide this financing? Because if you think about Blackstone or KKR, mm-hmm. uh, this could be this this could hurt them if they can't get financing for their deals. Right. I'm, I'm, if you look a little further down, I mean, Blackstone, they do some monster deals, mm-hmm. so they, they need multiple, multiple banks to, to get uh, the debt there. But if you look at the smaller middle markets, uh, a BDC, like Fifth Street Finance, we talked Business a little bit. Corporation. Right, we've talked a little bit about them, uh, but they finance, they, they partner with private equity firms to finance these deals. So Fifth Street Finance could be a bank that maybe steps in, maybe moves up in mm-hmm. terms of scale, uh, but even if not, maybe there's opportunity still in the middle market for them. So in, in general, we could be looking towards what, what they call the, the non-bank financials mm-hmm. in terms of stepping up to maybe do some financing for these deals. Right, and last time Fifth Street reported earnings, it, it wasn't great. There wasn't a lot of activity going on. They were on the sidelines just saying, hey, there's not a lot of deals that, that fit our criteria. Maybe to the extent that they can get more market share, that's a good thing for them. Cool. All right, moving on to the focus for today. Uh, it is earnings season. Uh, it is bank earnings season, uh, for, for lack of a better way to put that. We've, we've seen a lot of banks report. We've mm-hmm. covered a bunch of them here. There's some smaller ones flown under the radar. We haven't gotten a, a chance to take a closer look at some of them. Uh, do you want to start us off with, with one of the banks that you want to look at a little closer? I will start us off. All right. Bank of the Ozarks. You brought them up oh. last week. Is that right? Was it last yeah. week? Uh, pretty darn good quarter. Year over year, um, 18% book value per share growth. Cash it in. That's what you expect, though, with a stock trading at three and a half times book. So we've come to expect that from Bank of the Ozarks. Their CEO, George Gleason, been CEO for 34 years. That's what you like to see. And he's still only 59 years old. So it's not like he's 85 yeah. years old and on his way out here. So he's been there for 34 years. 18% year-over-year book growth, uh, book value per share growth. So good year, good quarter for Bank of the Ozarks. Like we said before, the stock's not cheap, but if they can continue to get that growth, it can justify it. And one of the reasons that he pointed uh, on the conference call was how they might do that is 
they made seven FDIC-assisted uh, acquisitions during the crisis. So they have that. They enter new markets there, and they say, we haven't even begun to really experience the growth in terms of loan growth in those areas. So if we can do that, uh, there could be a good runway for us. I think that's a challenge and an opportunity mm-hmm. for them because that's sort of outside of, of the way that they've built the business so right. far. So it'll be interesting to watch the extent to which they can really uh, leverage those acquisitions. Mm-hmm. Huntington Bank Shares, this is, a, this is a bank that I really like. When we look across the different banks, particularly during earnings season. Like I said with U.S. Bancorp just earlier, we're seeing a lot of the same things from bank to bank. Provisions coming down as credit gets better. Uh, Net interest margin mostly declining as the pressures continue. Um, Loan growth middling. Uh, So you want to find ways that one bank can differentiate differentiate itself from others. And Huntington, under uh, CEO Steve Steinor, All of the banks now are talking about building relationships with customers. It is more clear to me that Huntington Bank Shares is carrying through and doing things that really ingratiate itself to customers and make customers want to bank with them. Uh, Kind of see that in the performance of Huntington year over year. They they reported 8% year over year growth in what they call checking account households. Mm -hmm. And it also sounds like they're cross-selling efforts are paying off as well. I, I think, to me, those are signs of a bank that's, that's attracting customers, that customers want to do business with. Um, but again, they, they're still subject to a lot of the same things that the other banks are. Mortgage income, uh, they're expecting to continue to be pressured in 2014. Uh, Steiner said 2014 will not be a normal year. There's just too much refi volume pulled forward, thanks to the low interest rates. Uh, but we've seen a nice pickup in purchase mix. So we're seeing a little bit more mortgage activity coming in through people buying homes as opposed to refinancing them, but that's not really going to wash out the, the effect mm-hmm. of the falling uh, refis. Uh, one other thing that I, I found interesting, this is from the conference call. An analyst asked about $136 million in buyback authorization that Huntington has, and they haven't used it. Mm-hmm. And essentially the CFO responded that, hey, we've got that authorization, but we're only going to use it if it makes sense, given all of our opportunities to use our capital, which I think is a great, great answer. I think too often companies get authorization to do buybacks, and it's tougher for mm-hmm. banks because they have to go through the CCAR, um, and they just use it. They just right. buy back the shares because supposedly buying back is always good. But a company that really thinks hard about the impact of a share buyback, that's the kind of management team I like to see. Right. It's easy to do a share buyback. You're not going to... We don't hold. Always going to find somebody. We don't, we don't hold them as, as accountable <laughs> yeah. for a share buyback, as opposed to going out and making an acquisition. If an acquisition fails, you're going to be fired probably as right. an executive. Whereas if you do a buyback at a bad price, people nobody for, really people forget about yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, next bank that I was looking at that we haven't talked about yet was BB and T. I know you're not a huge fan of BB and T. Solid quarter without any big surprises, like like Bank of the Ozarks. Come to expect that from BB and T. It's not a very exciting bank. They kind of just run along and do their thing. And uh, year over year, tangible book value per share, 9% growth, which is fine. But we've talked about this before. The stock's trading at 2.2 times tangible book. Mm-hmm. That's just not the growth I want to see out of a bank that's growing at, the, at that rate. And I'm trying to wrap my hand around, why does BB&T deserve this premium valuation? And I can't really come up with an idea. So I'm sorry. I mean, they're in the southeast. So you're competing against Wells Fargo, Bank of America, PNC is moving into their backyard now. Huntington's right around there, moving up up towards the East Coast there. Does regions overlap with them as well? Regions. So it's a competitive space. They're not the only ones in this area. 
they're not firing on all cylinders. They're kind of just moving along here. At that valuation, I just don't get it quite right now. So I'm with you. All right. Uh, Actually, I'm, I'm surprised. You said 2.2 times tangible. Mm-hmm. So M&T Bank, which is one of that's this is a bank that, that uh, Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway hold. Uh, I would think of as you know on a on a one for one basis a higher quality bank than than BB&T. Mm-hmm. And I don't I didn't put it down here, but I think they're trading at a lower the, the stock is trading at a lower multiple than BB&T. And I would much rather own M&T. Was interesting about the M&T uh, quarter. It was kind of a, a lot of signs of the new times in banking. There was a lot of talk about uh, strengthening internal uh, regulatory controls, a lot of talk about building capital levels. Uh, that kind of dominated the, the comments from management to a large extent. In terms of outlook, they're looking for mid to single uh, mid single uh, growth in uh, sorry mid single digit growth. There it is in loans. There it is, um, which is about similar to what we've seen mm-hmm. this past year. And uh, continued net interest margin compression, just not as much. Um, M&T, not, not a bank that you're going to see any wild swings from, but a, a quality bank you can stick with. Uh, I think you're, between the two that I just talked about, M&T and Huntington, getting reasonably compensated for holding either of these stocks. Um, choosing between the two, I'd easily take Huntington over M&T. Um, oh, from yours, I'd, obviously, I'd take Bank of Ozarks over BB&T easily. Fair enough. All right, uh, moving to the mailbag. Yep. We have an email address. We love to get your emails. Our email address is WTMI at fool.com. Please go ahead and send us your email. Uh, we have a question today from Timothy. Timothy writes, when you are researching a company, what are some of your favorite sites or resources to use? I've been a big fan of your site, but with limited time, I would like to find some other sites where I know my time will be well spent. Well, Timothy, being the company man that I am, I'm going to start off by sticking with our site. (laughs) So I think a lot of people go to fool.com and they know uh, fool.com as the front page. Right. And we have news articles there. Uh, We have a wide variety of different articles about different subjects. But what people may not, if people don't get beyond the front page, they may not see some of the other great resources. So I think we've got a picture here of the CAPS CAPS page that we have. And this is a, a community universe where we have all kinds of uh, foolish investors coming together and rating stocks. It's like a stock market game and a rating service mm-hmm. all in one. Uh, you get community ratings on all of these different stocks. If we go a little further into the CAPS community, you can see this is a page. This is a single stock page here. Uh, you get all kinds of information from uh, the general quote and some news. You get ratios, st- uh, statistics on, on the, in this case, Bank of America, um, all kind of information that you can access just from this one page. Um, and then moving on, I'll show one more screenshot here. This is our stock screener in CAPS, and this lets you uh, find stocks based on different attributes. And you can also use the CAPS community's rating mm-hmm. as one of the attributes, which I think is really, really cool. So maybe Timothy already knows all of that. I'm not sure that all readers, uh, all WTMIers necessarily know all of that. There is a lot to be explored within the Motley Fool website. I'll just throw out two other things uh, before I let you add your sites. The SEC site. If you're strapped for time, maybe the SEC site isn't your best place to go, but that's where I do most of my stock research. Um, All of the company's filings go into the SEC website, and you can find those all there. Um, And then the company's individual investor relations pages, they'll have the SEC filings, but they'll also have 
company presentations, news releases, um, and maybe some bios on management and stuff like that. Right, well. and we should say on CAPS, all you have to do is it's just a thumbs up, thumbs down in terms of right, whether yeah. you think the company will outperform uh, the S&P. And you can write yourself a little note saying, I think it's going to do well because of this, I think it's going to do poorly because of that. And people do different m- m- methodologies in ter- um, yeah, terms so of how you do it. Some people put a ton of research into giving a thumbs up. Some people just say, hey, that sounds interesting. I'll give it a thumbs up so I track it and see kind of what happens with the company. So Very simple system. It's and kind of whatever you make of it. You're TMF Hurricane on CAPS, right? I am. TMF Hurricane and I'm TMF Cope. So if you want to find us on CAPS. Did you bring that up because you're beating stack. me? <laughs> you are beating me for now. <laughs> maybe, but Maybe just a little bit. Um, my, the one I had written down was you mentioned the investor relations page. I like the actual investor presentations. Uh, when they go to these, I don't know, conferences, whatever you call them. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, the SEC filings can be a little dense, especially Timothy said he's strapped for time. These presentations will give you what's important because it's the CEO or the CFO talking about the business. You know the information is accurate because a lot of finance websites uh, that aggregate information will not have accurate information or updated information. Exactly. Uh, so you'll get firsthand sources. You'll get the management team talking about it. You'll get some nice pictures in terms of graphs. I like pictures. Uh, so investor presentations, good source to start. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's head on to the game to th- for today. The game today is would you rather. We have a few would you rather scenarios, mm-hmm. and uh, we just choose which one we'd rather. We it's would. really as simple as that. All right, first scenario we've got, would you rather, David, buy gold or Bitcoin? going to go with Bitcoin. Uh, because I think it's a little bit easier if, I, if I'm holding it for a long time, whatever. But if I need the cash and I need to pay with it, say the world's ending, mm-hmm. I think I can pay with my Bitcoin a little bit easier uh, than having a chunk of gold there. I like, the, I like the theory of Bitcoin. I don't know what the long-term value is, but I like the fact that it's very low fees, virtually no fees to transfer across, across the Internet. Uh, so I'm going with Bitcoin. What do you say? I'm actually going to go with Bitcoin as well. When when I'm thinking in terms of this question, I'm thinking in I'm thinking forward, um, and not necessarily thinking about just having pure liquidity in my investment. And for Bitcoin, I think that there is there's opportunity and there's potential. There's not a guarantee with gold. You're a little bit more guaranteed, but as we've seen over the past year or two, uh, gold doesn't provide necessarily the guarantee that a lot of people think right. it does. Uh, so with, and, and with Bitcoin, uh, just the transfer aspect, the digital aspect, the, the, the cryptographic, um, the advanced cryptography that goes mm-hmm. into Bitcoin, uh, which we can get a <laughs> computer, uh, computer scientist to explain to us on one of these shows. Um, but I think that makes Bitcoin a lot more interesting. All right. Second scenario. Would you rather have Warren Buffett manage your money or get ground floor investing rights to Elon Musk's next three ideas? I'm going Elon Musk. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm still I'm still a relatively young guy. Um, Elon Musk to me is a is a great leader. Um, has a lot of capital to work with. Um, I think at this point, and the capital that he doesn't have to work with, he can marshal pretty easily because everybody knows Elon Musk now and would want to get behind his ideas. Um, right now, he's very busy running Tesla. Um, he also runs SpaceX, right? Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Um, and is on the board at Solar City. Yeah, he's he's got a tremendous track record. I don't know whether he'll have another three ideas that are going to get turned into companies, but if he does, I'd like to be on the ground floor there. I'm going with Buffett, and we look at his track record. Obviously, great. He's got a lot of money now. It's harder for him to beat the market, but I think he said if he only had a million dollars to work with, 
he could what double his money. You've got far more than a million year. dollars, right? So I have a little bit less than a million dollars, so I think it's right in Buffett's sweet spot. I would be comfortable getting 100% a year rather than jumping on the Elon Musk bandwagon. I wouldn't mind having Buffett manage my money. <laughs> wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But, but I, I think it would be interesting to, to, have this, uh, to have rights to Elon Musk's next three That would be years. interesting. All right, final, final would-you-rather scenario we've got. Would you rather attend Davos or the Oscars? Man, both are just like egomania over there for both of them. I, I'm going to go at the Oscars. Talk about egos. I think it's probably going to be worse at Davos, just the people. And it's really cold there. I've kind of had enough with the cold weather out here. It's at least nice uh, out where the Oscars are. I'm going to Davos. I wasn't thinking about the impact of all of the egos. G- granted, there are. But, but out of Davos, you've got all of the business leaders, all of the, all of the general leaders of the world Plus, you've got some uh, you've got some celebrities going out there too. I hear Mary J. Blige is going to be out there. Uh, Matt Damon is going to be out there. I think he's with uh, Water.org. I think is what it's probably. Called. So I mean, you've got the best of all worlds. Okay. Go in Davos. It's cold though. Yeah, it's cold. I'll buy a jacket. <laughs> okay. I'll buy another jacket. I'll wear two jackets. Let's finish off today on the Twitter sphere. David, what's our first tweet? Our first and last tweet is from Nemo Incognito. That's at Nemo underscore Incognito. T-Mobile will now give you a free checking account complete with 42,000 no-fee ATMs, banks less relevant by the day. So T-Mobile, they're setting up checking, which you basically use the T-Mobile stores as your branches. You can come in, make your initial deposit. They will give you a Visa prepaid card for the time being, and then you get one with your name on it. Mm -hmm. Then you can deposit your checks in the store, snap a picture with your T-Mobile phone. a concern for the big banks here? It's just checking, so they're not doing savings. You're not getting any interest on your T-Mobile checking account, but that's what it is. It's pretty interesting. I mean, I, for, for me, if I, if I want a, a bank account, I want to have access to a broader suite of services, probably mm-hmm. than T-Mobile will ever. But, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's a sign of, of how, uh, how much banking services are spreading out and how many different companies are trying to get in on it. Right, and we talked about it's easy to give, give loans. The hard part of banking is to get deposits and keep them there, cheap deposits. People basically saying, here, here's some money. Go lend it out, and you can keep all the money. And just, T-Mobile can get people Just give, give me some pennies. Uh, so you have to look at the banks that are doing a good job of getting that relationship and trying to cross-sell. You look at Wells Fargo. They're the best in the space. Bank of America is trying to do it because if you get someone's savings, their mortgage, their brokerage account, they're not going to just up and leave to go to T-Mobile. Uh, so who's, who's your cell phone company? Verizon. Would you bank with Verizon? No, I'm happy with my bank. My traditional <laughs> bank, it gives me everything I need. So I have no need to go to a Verizon store. All right, well, that's, that's a good question of the day today. So the question of the day today for the WTA Myers will be, would you bank with your cell phone company? There you go. All right, we're on, we are on Twitter, at TMF Financials. We're on Facebook, The Motley Fool Financial Sector. And that's our show for, t- for today. I'm Matt Copenheffer. This is David Hansen. We'll see you tomorrow. People on the show may have interests in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear.